Welcome to Poet Up, the podcast where we discuss all things whiskey-related, conduct whiskey tastings, and share fun whiskey stories. I'm your host, Mike Outcalt. I'm Devin Mitchell. Whether you're new to whiskey or a whiskey connoisseur, on Poet Up, we review everything from top shelf to bottom of the barrel. We be pulling everything up in here. Pour it up, baby. Huh, huh. Let's sip. Sip the mold. On Poet Up, we are talking about all of our different whiskeys and sampling whiskeys from around the world, including bourbon, rye, scotch, American whiskey, Irish, Japanese, Canadian, and other world whiskeys. So, Mike, why don't you let everyone know why you wanted to get into whiskey and do this podcast in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I get people ask me all the time why I got into whiskey, and I think it's a pretty simple answer. Really, you just start with drinking a lot of whiskey. That's uh, about as easy as it gets there. And once I started exploring more and more whiskeys, I started collecting whiskeys. Now I like to sample all sorts of whiskeys, have a large, sizable collection. I run a whiskey club at my work where I have about 40 members. And I've been to Whiskey Fest in San Francisco and New York City. So from here, it's about finding some of those hard-to-find whiskeys and finding the best ones that I can find. So we learned a little bit about my whiskey experience. Devin, how did you get into whiskey? What do you like about whiskey? Well, Mike, actually, you kind of got me into whiskey. Uh, (laughs) I was going to Japan uh, for work, and I decided to reach out to Mike and say, Hey, Mike, you know things about whiskey. What should I look for in Japan? You gave me a couple ideas, and you said, well, you should go try and find some plans. So instead of working too hard, I pretty much spent most of my time going around to every liquor store trying to find plans. Found a lot of it. Found a lot of the international ones. Uh, came back here and said, yeah, I really like this plant stuff. And then I went to try and find it in stores here and never did. Is impossible, and I kind of got more interested in deciding like what it takes to actually find rare whiskeys on shelves and what you have to do through that. And you know, as you start tasting more and more and more and getting more into it, I always felt like a lot of these podcasts and stuff are not really geared towards people that don't really want to get way into whiskey. You know, it's more towards the audience that want to know what things taste like without known information that is just completely bogus in the first place. And I, I think that's the perfect segue into what we want to do on this podcast is give connoisseurs and new whiskey drinkers some insight onto the bottles that we're trying and sampling. I did go way over the top into whiskey and just started buying up all the bottles that I could find. Devin's got into whiskey here, specifically with a lot of Japanese, but also drinks a lot of bourbon. So hopefully we can provide some insight onto the most delicious and price point whiskeys that we can find so Devin, what's the name of the podcast podcast is poet up (laughs) poet up came to be from a taste testing that we did at your house the other day and i think it's when you pour up a dram of whiskey as we got drunker and drunker the night went on it became poet up and poet up the the flight we did to come to this started with a bottle of jameson 18 a double blind taste testing of Buffalo Trace, a store pick from Argonaut Liquors in Denver, Colorado, and a standard Buffalo Trace. We then moved to Booker's 2019-01, Evan Williams Single Barrel, 
Lafroig Cardius Triplewood cast strength. I think we then uh, committed uh, an absolute blasphemy in making an old fashioned with a Cardius cask strength. Uh, probably never been done before, but that was an interesting drinker. And from there, we uh, did something else. We were just drunk enough to crack the uh, Blanton's Gold. And Blanton's Gold, if you don't know, you can only get in Japan. It's a bit of a monetary mistake, but uh, I don't look back on it too much right now. You know what? When you're pulling it up, you're pulling it up. It was delicious. And then we finished the night, I do believe, with a uh, flight of Dalmore, Dalmore 15. And by that time, I think we were both obliterated and called it quits. Yeah. So shout out to everybody that's listening out there and a, a reminder just to drink responsibly. Or at least get a pretty good story out of it. <laughs> On this session of Poet Up, we've got a pour of Evan Williams Single Barrel that we're trying right now to get a little bit of loosened up. And the Evan Williams comes from Heaven Hill, very delicious bourbon. Um, Devin, you've tried this now three times, and you've had a unique experience each time. That's right. It's in, it's uh, getting better and better. Um, by the way, it's just for context, you can find this bottle for about $35. On average. And you can find it anywhere, usually. Well, any of your big places. Any of, like, uh, reputable places. Sure. I don't know. I think that's just kind of how the U.S. goes, though. I mean, if you're not in a big store, you're probably just not going to land on treasures. Yeah, and what do you think about this one? Because this time that I've tried it, it's got um, a little bit of fruit to it, a little bit of spice. It's a pretty easy drinker. Yeah, it is. Um for those of you that are Jack Daniels fans, I would compare it very closely to Jack Daniels. It's a little smoother. If you like kind of that earthy-ish um, taste that kind of lingers a little bit, it's definitely a little bit sharp as a bourbon. And I think that just comes from the fact that you're in that price range and you're getting stuff that's not aged more than six years in the bourbons. And yeah. If you're into Jack Daniels, I would consider making this more of a go-to than Jack Daniels if you're looking for a slight step up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just for context, too, Jack Daniels is a Tennessee sour mash, and they charcoal filter it. So it does share some of the characteristics on the palate, I think, towards Jack Daniels, but you don't have that tinge of sour from the charcoal filter. Uh, Evan Williams is definitely one of my favorite bang for your buck whiskeys, especially their white label bottle and bond. You can find that one usually for $16. Sometimes I can find it for 14 bring it to all the parties I go to and tell everybody it, it punches way outside of its weight class. So that's a fun one to do uh, some blind taste tests with and see what people say when they drink that one. And not quite as well known yeah, as the, uh, the big Jack Daniels. Yeah, absolutely. Jack Daniels is massively popular, and so is Jim Beam. Those are kind of your two your two big whiskeys coming out of Kentucky and Tennessee there. Uh, they also have all sorts of higher-end brands that they make under it. Evan Williams comes from Heaven Hill again, one of my favorite distillers. They make Elijah Craig, Mellow Corn, the Evan Williams line. Man, they make some awesome stuff. So again, getting loosened up a little bit with the Evan Williams single barrel, but we do have two exceptionally good tasters to try tonight, and these come from Buffalo Trace's Mash Bill Number no. 2. It's going to be our bottle of Rock Hill Farms and a bottle of Blanton's single barrel. 
Yeah, do you want to do you want to actually go a little bit more into what the mash bill too is? The mash bill is what makes up your whiskey. So to be a bourbon, it has to be 51% corn. Buffalo Trace has a couple of different mash bills. Uh, one is going to be their low rye mash bill. So that's going to be Buffalo Trace, E.H. Taylor, uh, some of those type of bourbons. And then the mash bill two is going to be a little bit higher rye. I think if you look it up, it's something around 12%. Yeah, I think it's about 15 actually. And yeah. that's going to include the Blantons, uh, the Buffalo, or excuse me, the Blantons, the Rock Hill Farms. So, again, Elmer T. Lee, one on mash bill, two. And then you know, the any of the, the Blantons straight from the barrel, any of the other ones that we're seeing there, too. Funny enough, in what I researched, they don't list the red and the, the black label, which are Japanese exclusives that we have, too. Yeah, no, they almost never list those. Um, I don't, don't even think a lot of people know that those two are Japan only. Yeah, and that's a, a, an exceptional find. I owe Devin a great debt for bringing back three incredible bottles of whiskey from Japan. The Habiki Blenders Choice, which is a Japanese exclusive only, along with the red and black Blantons. Funny thing about red and black Blantons is the price point is right. It's $25 for black, 60 for red. Uh, Close, like 35 for black and like 75 for the red, typical. And we mentioned you can get Evan Williams almost everywhere. You can usually never find Rock Hill Farms, and Blanton's is becoming a rarer and rarer score. Yeah. Although that's not – I don't know if that's necessarily true on your international markets. They seem to be able to get more often Blanton's at just kind of liquor stores that you stumble into. And the weird thing about that is um, they actually make – less of all of those which is why they ship them to international markets and that's that's such a funny thing too that you mentioned that you can just go into a store in japan and stumble across what we consider to be absolute treasures in blanton's red black straight from the barrel or even a gold whereas if you go into a store in colorado i challenge anybody right now to go to 12 liquor stores and see if you could find a bottle of blanton's uh, exactly and yeah. uh, a lot of those other countries you know they actually have a behind the counter that actually has good whiskeys and not just, you know, a bunch of cartons of smokes if you want to pick something else up. <laughs> and you come here and try to ask for Blanton's, everybody laughs you out the store. Usually the owners will keep it behind in the back, only sell to their regulars. Or if you do see it on the shelf, you're usually seeing it at about an $85 price point. There's just wild prices for the demand on this type of whiskey. This particular bottle I found at a local store that I spent some money in buying some Booker's and some Buffalo Trace, some other bottles from. They had Blanton's there for $64. And then the Rock Hill Farms I paid a premium for, but it was one of the ones that the owner said, I have one case of Rock Hill Farms, one case of Elmer T. Lee, and one case of Weller 12. He said, take your pick. I said, can I get all three? And he said, you can get one. <laughs> so <laughs> I opted for the Rock Hill Farms just to try it out. Really liked that one. And again, we're going to do a tasting of it here coming up. Now, as part of that, too, when we were talking about mash bills, Weller's an interesting one. That falls under their weeded mash bill. So it's going to be uh, weeded bourbons that Buffalo Trace offers. So we have kind of the bourbons under mash bill one the higher rye concentrate bourbons under mash bill two, and then the weeded bourbons from Buffalo Trace. So I know that we just talked a lot about some whiskey nerd talk there. Yeah, which is which is good for the people that want to know, but like, you know, if you're going to go to a party and say that, you're probably not going to have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, back to our point here, uh, the 
this podcast is for connoisseurs and beginners. So the whiskeys we're talking about come from Buffalo Trace. The mash bill is what the whiskey's made up of. And the different mash bills, one, two, and wheated mash bills are just made up of corn, rye, barley, and wheat. You put them in a charred oak American barrel, age them, sell them, drink them. So let's get down to checking it out with the plants in the Rock Hill Farms. So without further ado, this is the, the moment we've all been waiting for where we actually poe it up. This is the sound of poing it up. So when we're pulling it up here, doing our taste testing, we're using a half-shot Glencairn glass, and this is poured neat. I always like to say drink whiskey how you like to drink whiskey. So when I sample these two, I like to drink them neat just to get a feel for what the whiskey looks like in a glass, but oftentimes with bourbons, and particularly higher-proof bourbons, I like to add a little bit of ice or water to them. Yeah, definitely, and you might want to actually explain for everybody what you actually try to look for if you're trying to nose a whiskey. Well, I feel like I have this superhuman ability where I can just stick my nose into a glass and inhale until I start killing brain cells. That's why we're using the smaller glasses because, you know, he can't get his nose all the way in it and look like an idiot. <laughs> so I get in there, too, and I've got my uh, Blantons in my, my glass here. I just really stuff my nose in. Yeah, very similar to, like, the sound you'd hear someone snorting cocaine. Probably. <laughs> we don't know what that sound sounds like. <laughs> but if we had record. to guess, it might be that. Sure, yeah, really just inhaling that through your nose. But when your nose in the whiskey, you definitely want to smell with your nose. I like to open my mouth and get a secondary smell. And with those higher proofs, too, you're going to get a lot of the tasting notes on your tongue. And it is easier to actually take bigger whiffs if your mouth is slightly open, too. Yeah, absolutely. So smell, try to sort through some of the smells that are, are popular with bourbons and let your sniffer do the testing here. See if you can find anything that's unique on there. A lot of bourbons are going to smell completely different. And funny enough, Blanton's has a, a pretty potent nose of ethanol. Yeah, it does. But it also it has some hints of sweetness. Hints of sweetness, you know, the ethanol is such a funny one because it, it turns a lot of people off that are drinking that, even though it is a pretty darn good whiskey. I think people usually tend to forget that you're actually drinking alcohol. So if you're not listing smells like some sort of alcohol as your first thing, it's probably not great. And Devin's notorious for having just the best descriptions when he's sniffing his whiskey, too. Generally, I, I don't know if I necessarily fall in the... Uh, under the belief of all the different things people can get from whiskeys. Because people don't add things to those barrels. Yeah, sure, they put them in different woods and stuff, but, like, you're going to tell me all those different fruits fall out of a wood? Come on. You can find some, definitely find some unique flavors within whiskey, and it, it works both ways, right? If you drink a whiskey, oh, it definitely you, does. you say, it tastes like vanilla and oak and caramel and cinnamon. I mean, that's almost in every single bourbon, it feels like. You know, yeah, exactly. The, the spice is kind of part of the quintessential part of drinking a bourbon. So you have kind of some of the basics for what you're going to get from drinking a bourbon, but some people definitely stretch the truth with some of the things that they find within these whiskeys. Colonel Blanton's single barrel. Colonel Blanton's, the original single barrel Blanton's. And by the way, we can get you all the dump dates and numbers of this. This was barrel number 3255. It looks like it was dumped on January 4th of 2019. 
Warehouse Warehouse H. H. And a fun fact about the Blands, too. Each one of the bottles comes with a topper of a horse running in the Kentucky Derby. And each one has a letter on it that spells out Blanton's. And the topper depicts the person where they're running through the race. So which letter do we have here? I can't see it from here. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pull the bottle a little bit closer. We have (laughs) B. So we got a B for Blanton's. That's a good, good score. Somehow we stumbled across three of those in a short period of time. But we're drinking this. What do you smell on the pal? What do you smell on the nose here? It smells. It smells floral to me. Interesting. And I get for me, even with my superpower of just huffing alcohol, <laughs> really the alcohol and the ethanol is the most potent for me. Well, for a person that takes a normal sniff at it, they don't get it quite as much. But just in general, we get it. Your nose is delicate, like a flower. Yeah, it's very sensitive. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want to talk about it, but if you're going to bring it up. <laughs> and maybe it's the, the just a stuffed nose I've had here, but I get a lot of ethanol. I know we talked about kind of those stereotypical things that you can smell in yeah. bourbon, but a lot of vanilla and caramel. I, I hate seeing caramel so much. I just hate that, but I really actually do smell it on this. And when I'm you sorry, say caramel, I apologize. do you say caramel or caramel? Which one do you prefer? Caramel? <laughs> I've heard it both ways. Caramel or caramel. Well, caramel doesn't even have enough letters. <laughs> First, Car- yeah. Caramel, Indiana? Yeah, I know a lot You're of You're going to talk about city. collecting letters. Like, why don't you start with actually putting them all in a word? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> and back to the, the palate here, too. I do get a little bit of fruit. Maybe like a little bit of apple there. I'm still stuck at caramel, alcohol, and flowers. Well, that's what I, I got. I can tell you one thing it smells good. And so yeah. the next point is, the next part is, we're just we're just gonna keep drinking it. Yeah, and that's kind of a trick because we've all had this before, so we already know it's good. It sells out of every store. It doesn't do that for no reason at all, you know. Yeah, absolutely. The demand Definitely is worth the money. high for Blanton's, and it's even higher for the other brands like Rock Hill Farms, Elmer T. Lee. Uh, you know, Buffalo Trace and Sazerac have an incredible lineup of whiskeys. I don't think you can go wrong if you get any of them. The trick is with some of them, just finding them. So we've gotten into tasting the Blantons now. And we did a tour of Law's Distillery here in Denver, Colorado a while back. And they like to explain that the first sip that you take of whiskey is never the best one. And they always say that's because your body realizes that you're drinking literal poison. So you got to do a few sips, uh, really dive into it, and see what you taste. So uh, what's your first impression of this when you're drinking it here, Devin? I get a cinnamon taste. Okay, cinnamon. I get a little bit of that, too. And back to our stereotypical bourbons, right? Um, Some caramel, vanilla, oak. But as I'm swishing this whiskey around in my mouth, I get a little bit of orange peel. A little bit of lemon in there. One technique that my friend uses, he's a big scotch drinker, is he'll swish whiskey around in the front of his teeth. And that can help identify some of those hidden flavors. And for me, when I did it the first time, all I could think was I got a little bit of tobacco. Interesting flavor. It's usually something I only find when I'm drinking Japanese whiskeys. That kind of reared its head there. Now, fair warning, if you're swishing whiskey through your teeth, Definitely don't do this with higher proof bourbons because it will light your butt on fire. You'll start coughing, hacking up. It will be incredibly spicy when you activate all that in there. 
Very true. And also, talk about unlocking some of the flavors by adding a small amount of ice. Maybe that's not quite as prevalent in your single barrels because they're not mixed quite as much. There's not as much to discover, but if you want to do a little piece on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be fun to go back and do a secondary sip with a little bit of ice there. That ice and water can help unlock some of those flavors, like you said. Uh, It's interesting, too, if you put that in there, you can actually look at your whiskey and you'll see some of the oil floating on the surface of it. And I've heard them be called flavoroids before. There's your (laughs) vocabulary term. Um, that water can help smooth some of the spice out too, which I think if you get rid of some of that spice, you get a little bit more prevalent flavors in there. Yeah, which I'll ruin my own comment because I add night ice to nothing. I absolutely hate ice in my whiskey for a couple reasons. I know it uh, unlocks a few other flavors, but I usually don't care. I usually just like the whiskey enough just to not add ice. And I personally don't like adding especially a ton of ice because it kind of puts me on a clock. <laughs> yeah, you know, that ice is going to melt, and I don't really like a lot of ice in my whiskey, so eventually it's just going to taste like crap. Yeah, and we're... we're and I'm really trying not to get drunk. I'm trying to sip. I'm trying to enjoy the evening. You know, like, I don't want to look like the town drunk at every party that I go to, so... Yeah, unless we're doing a uh, flight of 15 whiskeys or whatever we mentioned earlier in the podcast with how we came up with Poet Up. Yeah, but that's only like once a week, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Drink responsibly. This message brought to you by McCormick's, the taste you can trust. And can't find, because we're still looking for that bottle. (laughs) Actually. uh, To your point, if you add too much ice, it can water the whiskey down. And then you're just drinking bitter water. And particularly with some of the the proofs that we're at here, Blanton's is 93 proof on this bottle. And we have a friend, really good friend of ours, that she's got, um, she inherited one of those machines. It's two pieces of copper that smash an ice block into a giant ice cube. And what? It's probably a three-inch diameter. It's a huge ice ball that you you throw into the glass. It's the coolest thing to see this thing work because it's just two pieces of copper and the weight smashes the ice cube. Really fun to watch. But in execution, when it's in your whiskey, if you're sitting around for more than 15 minutes, that ice cube's starting to melt. You get up to 20 to 30 minutes, you play a game of pool or two, and all of a sudden you got more water than you have whiskey in your glass. Yeah, and I think what you were saying about the proof, too, is really important because you don't really want to put an ice in something that's 40% alcohol. You know, don't look at your 80 proofs and put that in. It's just going to ruin it. If you're looking at some of the cast strengths, that's actually pretty interesting. You can get a lot of really interesting flavors out of that that you weren't getting before by adding a little bit of ice to it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favorite cast strengths or barrel proofs comes from Elijah Craig. We mentioned Heaven Hill earlier. They make Evan Williams single barrel that we drank at the beginning of the cast. The Elijah Craig barrel proofs are bottled anywhere from 120 to 136 proof. Those are liquid fire, but with that proof comes all these incredible flavors. Doing an ice cube or a half an ice cube in there can help open up some of that. So, by the way, a cask strength is a whiskey that's bottled at a much higher proof. So, we're not looking at 80 or 93. We're up over those 100 proofs yeah. at that point. It'll get you drunk. <laughs> that's the, the best way to describe it. And As uh, Dave Chappelle said. Sure. And I commend anybody that, that drinks the 136 proofers straight. I definitely do it to get that flavor palette, but it is hot on the spice. Like I said, you get really intense flavors. I think one of the marks of a great whiskey 
are the ones like in Elijah Craig B five nineteens one hundred and twenty two proof, very spicy but also so easy to drink. Booker's twenty nineteen oh one we mentioned we did uh, last weekend in our massive fifteen drink flight or whatever it was. That one's super easy to drink. Still has the spice, but it's so easy to drink. You get intense cherry flavor on that. I love that whiskey. I also feel like we're getting a little bit out on topic because we're supposed to tell you if you should go buy this Blands or not. Yeah, so and, you know, the reason why we're kind of not really getting back to that is it's like it's really not something that needs to be discovered. Everybody knows that Blands is good. If you find it on the shelf, it's fantastic. You should get it. Most of Buffalo Trace's stuff that you can't find is really that good. And if you can find it at a price point, uh, MSRP, suggested by Sazerac Company, is 55 for Blanton's. I would buy it 70 and under. I agree with that. The others are kind of pushing it. I agree with that. And when I see it on the shelf, I'm usually seeing it at that 84 price point. Uh, sometimes I can snag it here and there for 60 or 64. I think it's a must yeah. buy at that price point. And that's why you're seeing it on the shelf potentially because it is 84. You know, people How know that you want people it. know the cost of it. And the secondary market's driving up those prices too. You'll see it here on bottle spot and some other websites where people are selling that for a hundred or $120 regular Buffalo trace is delicious stuff. You can find Buffalo Trace anywhere. You can also keep your eye out for uh, other bottles from Buffalo Trace, like Eagle Rare, one of my favorites. Yeah, very good. You find Eagle Rare for 30 bucks. E.H. Taylor makes an incredible bourbon. They also make a small batch, single barrel, and rye. We can talk a little bit more about those on some future casts, but those are all ones that I enjoy. And sometimes rare, but not unfindable, just Sazerac rye. Same, it's like Sazerac owns Buffalo Trace now. Yep. They make their own rye. Very fruity, delicious drinker. You can do whatever you want with that. That's a great alcohol. Yeah, agreed. So, Mike, what do you think of the mouthfeel on this Colonel Blanton's? The Colonel Blanton's. The mouthfeel is interesting. It's not super malty. It's definitely got... It's got some spice to it. It's got the spice on it, for sure. But it's not super viscous or thick either. It's it's kind of an in between there. It, it's oily. It it goes down easy. It's it's definitely a, a solid drinker. Maybe only almost like a, a sessionable drinker. Yeah. All right, Devin. So we've smelled it. We drank it. I think you said buy it anywhere. So Just buy it. Would you Would you pow it up or pow it out? I'd pow it up. I I agree with him. I'd pow it up. That's a pow it up. I'd pow it up. Eight and a half out of ten. That's a good poet up score. I'd agree with him on that one. (laughs) All right, partner. You know what time it is. Time to keep poing. Po 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 po. So we're we only got twelve seconds. Otherwise, it might be copyright. Yeah, yeah. We we're we're putting it to the test on what our sampling looks like here. But we shout out to Fred Durst and Limp Biscuit. He's apparently a movie director now. He just made some movie with. Doesn't matter. It's not part of our podcast. Yep, absolutely. But what is part of our podcast is we just dumped a bunch of Rock Hill Farms into some glasses, and we're gonna drink it, smell it, go through and. And uh, chat about it. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So I think we also need to talk about how we got a bottle of Rock Hill Farms. And this is a highly allocated whiskey, meaning that the stores here in town only get a certain amount. 
this you will never see on the shelf anywhere. I, I don't know. Maybe if you're in Kentucky, but in Denver, Colorado, I have never once seen a bottle of Rock Hill Farms for sale on a shelf. This came strictly through networking. Yeah. I have a local store in town that I go to buy all my whiskey from. Luckily enough, the owner hosts a happy hour every Thursday and Friday. Thursday, he's pouring up shots of wine. Friday, he's pouring up shots of whiskey. So as a part of that, I go to the happy hours. I talk to this guy. I buy some whiskey. He has an unbelievable selection. I found some Elijah Craig Barrel Proof there. Willet Pot still always has Eagle Rare. Word on the street is he's getting some Eagle Rare store picks coming up soon. So he flies down to Kentucky. He picks the barrel he wants, sells it at his storefront. So, again, when I chat with this guy, we do a lot of networking here, and I say, you know, are you getting anything good in? That's how the, that's how the conversation starts when it comes down to it. Look, I spent a lot of money at your store buying up different whiskeys, scotch, Irish, bourbon, rye, all the good stuff that I see on the shelf. Are you getting anything good? And he responds with, yep, I'm getting some Weller 12. I'm getting some Rock Hill Farms. I'm getting some Elmer T. Lee. I think with the Rock Hill Farms, he got six bottles. And the only way he got these is he had to do a deal to sell some sort of rum at a higher markup so then he could sell this on the shelf. And I paid a premium for it. Didn't break the bank, but I'm happy I grabbed this bottle. I went in on a Thursday morning at 8 a.m. to this shop and bought a bottle of whiskey. I think it might be one of the only people out there that's going into shops at 8 a.m. to buy whiskey. Still made it to work at 9 a.m., but uh, had a sweet bottle of whiskey with me. And that is the Rock Hill Farms that we're drinking right now. Yeah, but I think we should actually diverge from that and segue that into just finding rare whiskeys for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You've already kind of started it anyway. I, I think we touched on it a little bit. Some of it in Japan is you can just stumble into storefronts and you can find great stuff everywhere. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough example, though, because I don't think anyone's going to Japan anytime soon for most people. That might not be true, but if you are, you know, we can talk about that later if you guys want to reach out to us. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are, you can find some good stuff. If you're here in the States, again, I think it just comes down to networking. It does. I mean, there's a few other ways. Your odds aren't great. I mean, a lot of different stores, they'll do raffles, they'll do stuff. But, you know, for the average Joe that doesn't have a good relationship with the store owner, about the only way you're actually going to get that is if you have too much money and you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. You can always pay a premium to, to pay to play when you're buying these ridiculously expensive whiskeys. You know, if you're looking for a bottle of Rock Hill or Elmer T. Lee, you're looking at about $149 for some of this. Right. And you can you can pay the premium. You can buy online. You're a couple of other options, too. If you have a, a good network of people that are looking out for good whiskeys for you, somebody might know something. Somebody might be uh, work in the industry. A lot of those people can help you find some of these rare bottles when they come in. Yeah, and one of the other issues, though, is like you can't really win these lotteries that are in these stores. So, I mean, you can. You can try. Yeah, I mean, I could give you the odds on them. You're not going to care. They're not great. I don't know if I'd waste my time on it, personally. And, and sometimes, you know, it, it can come down to, hey, did you just want to throw money at trying to win a rare bottle? But there's other stores, too, like uh, Molly Spirits here in town. Huge liquor store up uh, in uh, Wheat Ridge. Yeah. 
where they do a charity. If you donate to the charity, you get an entrance into the raffle. So that's a little bit of a way to, to help do some good, and you got the you got a small chance there that you're going to win something ridiculous. It is, yeah. I mean, the other way is just kind of like through rewards programs. If you're not very social and you just don't really kind of get to know these owners, that's about the only way you're going to do it. I mean, I know that Total Wine, for instance – uh, what is it like 50,000 points or something that you have to have every dollar you spend you get 10 points you know i'm an engineer i'm not getting paid right now so i'm not going to do the math on that but <laughs> that's more money than most people usually have yeah so yeah racking up those once you talk about points and and still even if you got allocated stuff you know are they putting it on the shelf do you have time to go to a liquor store at 10 a.m. on a wednesday when they get their shipments in yeah and you know if you're going to look for stuff in the us you're not just going to skip around to stores and go to a hundred stores and find something, you know, it really is about the relationships that you make with people, but you know, it's a drawn out process. You're not going to make a good relationship in two, three weeks. You're just going to piss everybody off and they're not going to want to talk to you in the store. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've heard kind of third party accounts about exactly that too, where, a uh, local liquor store owner has a um, mother of a family of two, and she comes in and buys a handle of vodka, you know, once a month. And she's been going there for five years. So the store owner pulls her aside and offers her, you know, hey, look, you, you buy vodka here all the time. You're helping the business. I got this. Would you be interested in X? Yeah, I mean, but you just said a five-year process. Exactly. That's pretty rough. So it's the relationship building takes time. Exactly. And if you're going to go to a bunch of stores and try to find something like a Blanton's or a Rock Hills, the way I found my first ever bottle of Blanton's is I dropped my girlfriend off at her house and then I drove down Colfax Avenue and stopped at every single liquor store on the way. And I went to 12 liquor stores until I almost got back to my house and I asked every single one of them if they had Blanton's. Everybody shook their head and said, no, usually we don't get any of that. The last store I went to, they said, do you live in this neighborhood? And they said, oh, yeah, I'm right behind the uh, the supermarket right there. And they go, okay. And he comes back out, goes in the back, grabs a bottle of Blanton's, comes back out and goes, 64 bucks, and it's yours. And I go, done deal. So I know they're getting them, yeah. even though they're hard to find. But for this one, it was like they wanted to encourage local shoppers. And it was true. I did live right behind the supermarket in this neighborhood. So that's definitely a place that I like to support when I go buy a Buffalo Trace. Um some of the bookers they get in there too but i know that they're getting blantons yeah exactly and one of the other things that i want to touch on that is you know know the price ahead of time of what you're actually looking for because if you go around asking different store owners and you say hey i'm looking for a bottle of this and then they say that they have it and it's at a semi-reasonable price and then you're not interested you're never going to get another bottle from that <laughs> store ever again yeah, so if you, if you go picking, you better pick it up. Yeah, if, if you turn down the opportunity when they offer you a decent price for something they usually wouldn't offer you, you should probably buy it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, piece of advice. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So back towards hunting bottles a little bit, too. Know what you're buying and know what the family of brands looks like, too. This store where I got my Rock Hill Farms, and yesterday they had two bottles of Blanton's on the shelf. I wanted $85 for them, so a little bit steeper than what I was looking for. Know the family. Rock Hill Farms is Buffalo Trace. So if you go into a liquor store and they have a ton of Buffalo Trace, they've got a Buffalo Trace store pick. They've got Eagle Rare, 
They've got E.H. Taylor. Chances are pretty good that they're going to be getting some Blantons or they're going to get some Rock Hill Farms. Yeah, if you see like Weller 12, something like that on the shelf, it's good. Yeah. there's a good chance. A Weller Special Reserve, Old Weller Antique 107, those are some of the weeded bourbons from Rock Hill Farms. Those ones are highly coveted, but this store had a, a 1.75 liter of Weller Special Reserve yesterday. So look for those bottles that uh, accompany what you're looking for in that rare brand because they're probably going to get it. And then know what the top of the line looks like, too, because Buffalo Trace every year releases their BTAC Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. That's going to be your George T. Staggs, William, Le- Relu- William LaRue Weller, uh, Thomas H. Handy, Sazerac, 17, or Sazerac 18. 18, Eagle Rare 17. Those are their, the, the hardest to possibly find if they're, if they're getting that much Buffalo Trace yeah. to the point where they start getting Blanton's, Rock Hill Farms, Elmer T. Lee. Chances are they're getting some of that antique collection, too, yeah. at the end of the year. And honestly, that's a, that's a whole different level from what we were just discussing previously because that stuff is super followed. It almost has a 0% chance of hitting store shelves. you got to know what you're looking for, and you got to have – connections way ahead that's the kind of stuff that you win in lotteries or i've heard of a lot of people even if um the resale on those is just ridiculous i mean you're getting bottles for about a hundred dollars you can resell some of them for six eight hundred dollars in that btac collection yeah and you you hit the nail on the head there when buffalo trace releases this btac collection they send an article out that says shipping in limited quantities to a store near you for a MSRP of $99 per bottle. Yeah, which means you ain't getting it. <laughs> which means... Ain't gonna happen. Ain't a snowball's chance in hell you're ever gonna see it. Because if they're not selling to somebody they know, they're selling to a bar, or they're putting it in a raffle. Now, I've heard of a few liquor stores, though. Um, I mean, you obviously have to have the connections. You gotta be well-connected. They will sell you that at the actual retail price. But a lot of them say... Yeah, we'll sell this to you, but you got to open it in the store. And then you can walk out with that. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they want to make sure you're drinking and they're not putting on that secondary market because secondary exactly. market on some of these B-Tech bottles, like you said, it's going for 800 bucks. This isn't concert tickets. You're supposed to enjoy it. <laughs> Agreed 100%. And I think at the Poet Up here, that's all we do is we're cracking bottles and we're yeah, drinking these. We only pwn it up. <laughs> so we're drinking Rock Hill Farms. We've got it pot up. I know we've gone down on some tangents here, but we love talking about hunting down rare bottles. Definitely want to share some some crazy stories about what we've uh, encountered in the whiskey world. What do you think of the Rock Hill Farm so far? What do you get on that nose? You know, this is not going to be a whiskey note, but I get a bubble gum. I get a bubble gum smell. Interesting. Yeah. Definitely. If you smell it, the ethanol's toned down a lot more than what we saw in the Blantons. Yeah. I get uh, a little bit of uh, like kind of intense fruit, like maybe a little bit of raspberry almost on that nose. The ethanol is not quite as prevalent, but I'm a little bit suggestible now here too. So when you say bubble gum, I'm having a hard time sniffing anything other than bubble gum right now. Yeah, well, that's how nosing works. If someone tells you it's there, you'll find it. Absolutely, and and we like to do these reviews too without looking at anything online to see see what's there. Let your sniffer be the truth and bubblegum i think is an awesome flavor especially coming from you because i've heard you uh you've had some incredible 
noses before when you're like, this smells like hot garbage. I'll tell it how it is. <laughs> if it smells like stinky socks, that's fine. You yeah, know? but if it's Lafroig and it's straight out of the swamp, <laughs> I'll tell you. But l- luckily, we're drinking bourbon instead of heavily peated let scotch me, tonight. Let me wrap that up though, and uh, be honest though. That's what I smell. You know, it's some of it's a little bit of a joke, but honestly, that's how some of that smells. But that means nothing for the tasting of the whiskey. I am not a nosing of whiskey. Like if it tastes good, I like it, and all that stuff that I'm usually just like, this smells like dirty socks. I think it tastes great. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's a great point. Is sometimes the smell doesn't translate to the palate, and we see a little bit of that with that Blanton's too, where I'm like, it smells like rubbing alcohol. Yeah, and then you drink it and you go, wow, it's actually pretty delicious. Exactly. For me, I'm getting, uh, I'm sniffing this again, and I think my my sniffer is a little bit broken because again, I'm just it, almost like huffing paint, man. Just stick my nose in there and really <laughs> inhale. Uh, I get a little bit of lemon zest. And here's a here's a bourbon term if you want to get into the uh, point your pinky out stone fruit, oh yeah so like some plums, you know uh, something like that you get a little bit of that in there. That being said, still I get a little bit of a double bubble in there. Yeah. So Devin, have you ingested the alcohol? I have. And how is it? Well, I already ruined it before. It smelled like bubble gum. Tastes like alcoholic bubblegum, <laughs> which is fantastic, I think. Very good. It's a little bit sharp, uh, a little sharper than the Blanton's, which I actually wasn't expecting, but it does have that sweet kind of bubblegum taste. Yeah. And a it. lot of times, you know, things that you nose doesn't actually translate to the palate, but about 20% of the time it does. This one for me. Translated to the palate. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to touch on that note, too, this is bottled at 100 proof, so we're stepping up from 93 from the Blanton's, so you're going to be a little bit spicier. Well, that's uh, true, yeah. I thought it was about the same, but you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it, this one almost feels even smoother than the Blanton's. And nah, you've just been drinking. It, exactly. <laughs> once we once we do a tasting of Evan Williams' single barrel in Blanton's and Rock Hill Farms, everything starts tasting great, especially when I'm, I'm having these uh, very nice Mashville 2 Buffalo Trace whiskeys that we're drinking. Yeah. So for me, I get uh, a lot of fruit, a lot of dark fruit on that. I, I like that a lot. Like it, it smelled like raspberry to me. I get uh, some good dark fruit on the palate. Maybe a little bit of citrus, too. And then definitely a lot of cinnamon on that back end, too. That's the spice shining through in the bourbon. Spice is kind of an interesting topic. Sometimes people think they can be like a little egregious to say that a bourbon is smooth because the spice should be kind of that quintessential part of drinking bourbon. Not a lot of very smooth bourbons. If you're looking for smooth, I'd recommend a Irish whiskey as a start. Probably a scotch next. A lot of scotch tends to go towards the peats, so I don't know if that's a great example. But Irish whiskey is a good start if you want something real smooth that's yeah. not going to break the bank before it gets smooth. Or if you d- you dip into scotch too, definitely check out Highland Scotch if you're looking at like a Glen Morangy, a Glen Levitt. I like the Glen Fittich, actually. That is one whiskey that I do not like. Really, mm-hmm. I would say that if you're a JMO person, that's the next step up for you, in my opinion, Glen Fittich. In one day, maybe I'll talk about my whiskey journey. It starts with Jameson, so it has a special place in my heart. Jameson owned by Middleton Distillery out of Cork, Ireland, too, so they also make Redbreast. 
yellow spot, green spot, and they have their own brand of whiskey called Middleton, which is very delicious. Yeah, well. those are all very good. I've had those. So back to the Rock Hill, I definitely love this whiskey. It's uh, it's I'm amazed we still have half of a bottle sitting here. Uh, we might not after tonight because I, I give this e- a, a, a an overwhelming poet up. I'd give it a nine out of ten. Yeah, you think you'd pull this up? I would pull this up. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up at a. I'm gonna say eight and a half again. I'm gonna tie it with the Blantons actually. Yeah. Two mash bill twos, two eight and a halves. I'd give the Blantons an eight and a half. I'd rank the Rock Hill a little bit higher just because I like the way the uh, the palate uh, is it's a little bit more dynamic on drinking. Definitely love this one though. It's been a lot of fun to drink and it's been a lot of fun to sit here and review too. Yeah, both of them great whiskeys. Since you'll never find them, don't pick them up. <laughs> if you do stumble across, oh yeah, yeah. One, but if you do, just in case, would you pull it up? Oh, I'd pull it up. I'd pull this up. I don't actually know the price on it, so I'm just going to guess. I'm going to say I'd pull it up for 75 I think your MSRP is on this one uh, 45 Like I said, I paid a premium for it. So in full disclosure, I paid $109 for this bottle. Mm. I don't know if I'd pull it up for that. Actually, you know what? I would. And the reason why is because no one else is going to get one. This is definitely harder to find than Blanton's. A little bit of it feels like, what is it worth? You know, once upon a time, I bought a bottle of Blands for 85 So I feel like I'm not stretching by that much to step up to something a little bit rarer. Uh, I think we touched on all of these, too, during this conversation. Look for what the MSRP is. Then look at what the secondary price is yep. and decide whether you'd pull it up or not. Probably not a great intro bourbon at $109. No, don't start Don't start with this. You want a good intro bourbon? This is a collection bourbon that absolutely. you want to hit five or six times a year. You want this bottle to last. Yeah, and I, I want this bottle to sit on my shelf next to my Blanton's, and I still don't have a bottle of Elmer T. Lee, but I'm working to solve that problem. If you want a great intro bourbon, you can find Buffalo Trace for almost 22 bucks anywhere. It's impossible to beat at that price point. It is just a delicious pour. Yeah. I'm right there with you, though. We've all overpaid for Blanton's. Mine were just the international ones. <laughs> yeah, I've overpaid for Blanton's, and I've overpaid, uh, definitely overpaid for this bottle of Rock Hill. But yeah. it, it's incredibly rare, so I'm happy to have it here and, and gives us the chance to sit here and review and drink it. Um, I mean, I'll probably overpay for them again. But yeah. I'm just telling you not to repeat my mistakes. <laughs> I think there's nothing left to do at this point, but uh, drink a little bit more Rock Hill Farms and maybe even it up a little bit mo yeah well i'd just like to say thanks to everybody for joining us here on poet up i hope everybody enjoyed listening to the podcast we decided to review these two whiskeys again because they're buffalo trace mash bill number two the price point at the msrp should be similar but they're also pretty hard to hunt down yeah definitely you're gonna be looking yeah but we had a lot of fun i hope you everybody enjoyed listening we'd like to thank a couple of people tim for helping us get set up rose and katie for helping us produce and support the podcast here. and not falling asleep while i was sitting here on the couch because that's honorable yeah absolutely and all, all the crazy stuff we said and boring tangents we went on they told us it was great content so we're looking forward to doing this some more yeah and we encourage everyone out there to pow it up yeah, as much uh, as you can responsibly love to pow it up we got one fan his name is aj right now so we're hoping to grow that base and uh as we're heading out here we're planning on doing another session here where we will review two more whiskeys. We're going to find some uh, maybe budget picks, some within the similar price point. Uh, you know, yeah. who knows? Maybe we'll find uh, – we like to do everything from bourbon, rye, 
Irish, Scotch, Japanese. We do the whole world here. So I got a shelf with 70-some-plus whiskeys on it. Devin has an extensive collection of Japanese whiskey. We're looking forward to reviewing some more here. Yeah, well, you know, we'll do some bargain stuff, and we'll probably throw one higher dollar one in there just to kind of mix it up so it's not just bland and all bargain stuff, even though we know that you intro guys want the bargain stuff too. My highest end whiskey I had, we killed on my birthday this year on April 5th because everybody was out celebrating and I just wanted to pow it up. Well, that does happen with whiskey. We'll have to do a uh, rest in post for that. From Devin and Mike here in our studio, we like to encourage everybody to continue to pow it up. And if you love the Poet Up podcast, find us on Instagram at Poet Up Official. That's P-O-I-T-U-P Official. All things whiskey related. Bon voyage.